Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to Aquatic Wetline Radio Show with your host, the aquatic man himself, Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is a one-stop radio show for everything freshwater. Green cichlids, catfish, oddballs, flakos, and much more. Plus, we will be discussing saltwater and reptiles. Aquatic Wetline is your original fish keeper podcast that started it all for the fish keepers. What? is on the aquatic discussion tonight. Let's dive down into the Aquatic Wetline Headquarters and find out. Here's your host, Aqua Alex. Take it away, Alex. The Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Akari Tales USA. School of Fish, Inc., Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatics. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari Bio-Pure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysis shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc. and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality of freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash AquaAlex. Now, AquaAlex, take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Aquatic Wetline here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Aqua Alex, and you're listening to the only fishkeeping podcast hosted by a fishkeeper for a fishkeeper, and the one and only aquarium-keeping podcast that started it all here on Blog Talk Radio. And today I have a great show coming your way on the Aquatic Wetline. I am looking forward to today's show. I love today's show, and I love this series today. Today we're doing our third episode of Life in the Amazon, and I really do like the Amazon animals, and I love learning about the Amazon. Our first episode was a basic overview of the Amazon, and our last episode was on piranhas, pacus, and silver dollars. And today, we're going to learn about the Amazonian catfish, which, believe it or not, 
95% of the catfish come from the Amazon that are in the hobby today. So it's going to be a great show. And I'm one of the only podcasts that do a series called Life in the Amazon. Matter of fact, I think I'm the only podcast that does a show of this nature. So I'm very excited for that. And it's been a fun series thus far. So um, today we're doing our third installment of this episode, and we're going to learn a lot about the Amazonian catfish that live in the Amazon. So today's show agenda is like this. I'm going to give an overview of the catfish species that live in the Amazon. I'm going to have a discussion on some of the common aquarium catfish that come from the Amazon. And then we'll have a discussion on how to care for these catfish in the home aquarium. So we've got a lot to discuss tonight on the aquatic wetline. You can call in at one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two with any questions you have on Amazonian catfish or th- or share your favorite Amazonian catfish. That is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. I love getting callers and I would love to hear from you. So if you have a favorite Amazonian catfish, go ahead and call in one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Or if you have any questions, I'll be honored to ask them. All right, so let's go ahead and get this show started because I do got a lot to talk about. Now, a majority of the catfish that are in the aquarium hobby come from the Amazon River in South America. There are over 25 species of catfish that live in the Amazon. Many of these species we all know, but there are some unknown species that we don't know about either. Now, if you have watched River Monsters, you'd know the three biggest catfish of the Amazon would be the red-tailed catfish, the pariba, and the jaw catfish. But there are plenty of small, medium, and large catfish that live in the Amazon. There are several families of catfish that live in the Amazon. You have the armored catfish, you have plecos, you've got the big genre of the subfamily pimodella, you have parasitic catfish, and more. Our good fishy friends are going to give us an overview of all these species. So, I have prepared some wonderful clips that are going to give an overview of all the species that live in the Amazon. So, let's hear about the armored catfish first, shall we? Hello, fish heads. I'm Charlie and I am here to give an overview of the armored catfish that live in the Amazon. There are four major species of armored catfish. Family Loricaridae, the armored sucker mouth catfish, also known as sucker mouth catfish, armored catfish, or simply plex or plecos. Family Calistheidae, armored catfish, includes the genera. Corydoras, sometimes referred to as armored catfish. Calistas, known as the armored catfish. Hoplosternum, known as the brown hoplo, cascadura or armored catfish. Calistas calistas, a species popular in the aquarium trade, common name armored catfish. The thorny catfishes, Doradidae, are also sometimes referred to as armored catfish. I will discuss them all right now. Calistheidae is a family of catfishes called armored catfishes due to the two rows of bony plates, or scuds, 
running down the length of their bodies. This family contains some of the most popular freshwater aquarium fish, such as the species of Corydoras. The family derives its name from the Greek words kalis, beautiful, and ictus, fish. Kalishtheidae is one of six families in the superfamily Loricarioidea. It is sister to a clade formed by Scoloplacidae, Astroblepidae, and Loricarioidae too within the family Kalishtheidae, the two subfamilies have eight genera and about 177 species. They account for about 7% of all catfish. Most of these species are in the genus Corydoras, the largest catfish genus. The subfamily Corydoridinae includes about 90% of the species in the family Calishtheidae and is one of the most diverse siluriform assemblages in the Neotropics, with about 170 valid species. It includes two tribes, Aspidoridinae and Corydoridinae. Aspidoridinae contains Aspidorus and Scleromystax, while Corydoridinae contains Corydorus and Brachys. Some believe the genus Brachys should be synonymized with Corydorus. The subfamily Calishtheinae contains Calishthas, Dianema, Hoplosternum, Leptoplosternum, and Megalechys. According to a 1997 paper, Kalishthas is the most basal member of the subfamily. In a 2004 study, different relationships among the Kalishtheines were found, Dianema and Hoplosternum form the most basal clade, and Kalishthas is sister to Leptoplosternum and Megalechis. The neotropical family Kalishtheidae is found in most South American river drainages, Parana Paraguay, São Francisco, Atlantic coastal basins in Brazil, Amazon, Orinoco, Maracaibo, Magdalena. Hoplosternum punctatum is the only species in Central America, as it occurs in a few rivers in Panama. Calishtheidae present the highest species richness in the headwaters of the Amazonas drainage and those rivers draining the Guyana Shield. The subfamily Corydoridinae is found east of the Andes and north of the Rio de la Plata system. Representatives of the Corydoridinae are found in several freshwater environments, ranging from fast-flowing Piedmont streams with sandy or rocky bottoms to lowland pools with muddy bottoms. Calishtheids are fairly small catfish, and range in size from some tiny Corydora species that do not exceed 2 cm, 0.79 in, to Hoplosternum litorale, which some sources list as growing to a length of up to 24 cm, 9.4 in, the mouth is small and ventral with one or two pairs of well-developed barbels. The dorsal and pectoral fins have strong spines, and a spine is found at the anterior border of the adipose fin. The scuds that give these fish their name are one of the most obvious characteristics of these fish. The body has two rows of overlapping bony plates on each side. These plates are arranged so they overlap along the rows, as well as between the rows, giving full protection, but at the same time allowing some freedom of movement. These scuds connect with the solid bones of the head, and the head itself may be covered with bony plates. The upper row of lateral scuds may either meet on the back or a narrow bare area may be filled in with small oval or roundish bony platelets. Species of the Corydoridinae are of small size, maximum about 9 cm, 3.5 in, in standard length, and are easily distinguished from other Calishtheids by their deep bodies and short maxillary barbels. Members of the South American Corydoras genus are freshwater temperate and tropical catfish in the armored catfish family, Corydoridinae subfamily, 
and are commonly referred to as Corydoras, Coris, or Cori catfish. The species of Corydoras usually have more restricted areas of endemism than other Calistheids, but the area of distribution of the entire genus almost equals the area of distribution of the family, except for Panama where Corydoras is not present. Corydoras species are distributed in South America where found east of the Andes to the Atlantic coast, from Trinidad to the Rio de la Plata drainage in northern Argentina. Corydoras are generally found in smaller sized streams, along the margins of larger rivers, in marshes, and ponds. They are native to slow-moving and almost still, but seldom stagnant, streams and small rivers of South America where the water is shallow and very clear citation needed most species are bottom dwellers, foraging in sand, gravel, or detritus. The banks and sides of the streams are covered with a dense growth of plants, and this is where the chorus are found. They inhabit a wide variety of water types but tend towards soft, neutral to slightly acidic or slightly alkaline pH and 5 to 10 degrees of hardness. They can tolerate only a small amount of salt, some species tolerate none at all, and do not inhabit environments with tidal influences. They are often seen in shoals. Most species prefer being in groups and many species are found in schools or aggregations of hundreds or even thousands of individuals, usually of a single species, but occasionally with other species mixed in. Unlike most catfishes which are nocturnal, Corydoras species are active during the daytime. Their main food is bottom-dwelling insects and insect larvae and various worms, as well as some vegetable matter. Although no chorus are piscivorous, they will eat flesh from dead fishes. Their feeding method is to search the bottom with their sensory barbels and suck up food items with their mouth, often burying their snout up to their eyes, one of the reasons a soft sand substrate is preferable. In several species of Corydoras, it has been observed that the fishes, after initial evasive reaction to threat, lie still, this is suggested to be a form of cryptic behavior. However, it is also argued that most species do not have cryptic coloration nor freezing behavior and continue to exist. A few Otosyncla species, Omimulus, Oflexiles, Oafinis, and Ozacriaba, are considered to be Bacheon mimics of certain Corydoras species, C. diphyes, C. paleatus, C. natureri, and C. garbe, respectively. These Corydoras species have bony plates of armor and strong spines as defenses, making them less palatable. By mimicking these species in size and coloration, Otosynclus avoid predation. A unique form of insemination has been described in Corydoras aeneas. When these fish reproduce, the male will present his abdomen to the female. The female will attach her mouth to the male's genital opening, creating the well-known T-position many Corydoras exhibit during courtship. The female will then drink the sperm. The sperm rapidly moves through her intestines and is discharged together with her eggs into a pouch formed by her pelvic fins. The female can then swim away and deposit the pouch somewhere else alone. Because the T-position is exhibited in other species than just C. aeneas, it is likely that this behavior is common in the genus. The Corydoras genus is well known among aquarists for its many ornamental species. They are well suited to tropical freshwater community aquariums, as they get along well with other species and are not at all aggressive. Some types of Corydoras are quite timid and are recommended to be kept in shoals of three upwards. 
Chorus are mostly bottom feeders, so they should be offered sinking pellets as well as supplements of live and frozen foods. If flake foods are used, care should be taken to prevent all food from being eaten by faster moving fish at the higher levels of the tank. Most chorus prefer soft, acidic water. They can, however, tolerate a wide range of water conditions, including temperatures that are cooler than tropical. They do not do well in fish tanks with high nitrate levels. This ion leads to the infection of the barbels, which will shorten and become useless. The barbels may also be affected by constant contact with a sharp substrate. They are more likely to thrive if there is an open area of substrate on the bottom of the tank where they can obtain submerged food. It is a myth that salt cannot be used on this species of fish as a means of parasite medication. Salt can be added to the water of the Corydoras catfish in order to rid the fish of itch. These fish are fairly easy to keep, being peaceful, hardy, active, and entertaining. Occasionally they will dart to the surface, sticking their snout above the water for an instant to take a breath of air. This behavior is perfectly normal and is not an indication that anything is wrong with the fish. However, if this is done in excess, it can indicate poor water conditions. Where investigated Corydoras sp have been shown to be diurnal and crepuscular rather than nocturnal and activity can even peak at twilight. Corydoras are very good choices for a community aquarium, and are widely kept throughout the world. Their longevity in the aquarium is noteworthy, C. Aeneas is said to have lived 27 years in captivity and 20 years is not too uncommon. Now let's talk about Aqua Alex's favorite armored catfish, the Dorady D. These include the striped raffle catfish, the Megloteras irwini, the Oxidoras niger, and the very sexy looking Hasser catfish. The Dorady D are a family of catfishes also known as thorny catfishes or talking catfishes. These fish are native to South America, primarily the Amazon basin and the Guyanas. Doradids are omnivorous. As of 2007, 31 genera and 78 species are in this family. Wertheimeria is considered to be the sister taxon to all other Doradids. This family is monophyletic and contains the subfamilies Platodoradini, Doradini, and Astrodoradini, though their relationships are mostly unresolved. The Astrodoradini contain the genera Amblytras, Anadoras, Astrodoras, Hypodoras, Merodoras, Physopixus, and Scorpiodoras. Doradids occur in most South American basins, though they are absent from the Pacific coast drainages and from coastal drainages south of the Rio de la Plata. About 70% of the valid species occur in the Amazon basin, the Orinoco basin harbors about 22 species and ranks second in species richness. Conversely, only two species of Doradids have been described from Brazilian eastern coastal basins, Wertheimeria maculata from the Jaquitinhonha and Pardo rivers and Caleptoteras bahiensis from the Paraguacu river. Doradids are easily recognized by a well-developed nuchal shield in front of the dorsal fin, as well as well-developed bony lumps along the lateral line that form thorny scuds. Also, Doradids typically have three pairs of barbels, no nasal barbels, an adipose fin, and four to six rays on the dorsal fin with a spine on the anterior, first, ray. These fish are sometimes called talking catfish because of their ability to produce sound by moving their pectoral spine or vibrating their swim bladder. Sizes range from 3.5 cm, 1.4 in, 
in Physopixis Lyra to 120 cm, 47 in, FL and 20 kg, 44 lb, in Oxidoras Niger. There are a number of catfish that belong to the family Doradidae. Quite often these fascinating catfish are referred to as Doradids, Dorads, Talking Catfish, Thorny Catfishes and other names, which cannot be mentioned, as they are too rude. This group of catfish are found throughout South America. There are small Doradids and large Doradids commonly offered for sale at most good aquatic retailers. The problem with some of the larger species such as Pseudodorus niger, mother of snails catfish slash black dorated, and Teradoras granulosus, common baku, is the fact that they would soon outgrow a 72x24x24 aquarium and are therefore not ideally suited to life in an aquarium unless you can provide a large enough aquarium or tropical pond to house them in. As I do not wish to encourage any unsuspecting aquarist to keep large catfish I will concentrate this article on some of the smaller representatives of this family of fish. Those of you that know me will already be aware that this family of fish is perhaps my favorite, as I am unable to resist walking past a dealer's tank without looking to see what Doradids lurk behind the decor. Why are they referred to as talking catfishes I hear you ask? I will now attempt to answer this question. Doradids have two ways in which they can produce talking sounds, which subsequently gives them their common name. The first way of communicating sound is by the fish partially locking their pectoral fins in their sockets, and then the action of moving the fins, the fin spines grate against the socket producing the sound. The second way, in which these fish produce sound is via a mechanism known as the elastic spring mechanism, there is a muscle that is attached to the rear of the fish's skull at one end and to the anterior of the swim bladder at the other end. The fish is able to quickly contract and relax this muscle and as a result it can make its air-filled swim bladder resonate to produce sound. These catfish use these methods of communication as a means of self-defense against would-be predators and also as a way in which they can find conspecifics in its natural environment, or aquarium. The Doradids can also be described as narrow-breasted or broad-breasted. The narrow-breasted species tend to have feathered barbels a characteristic that the broad-breasted species do not possess. With the broad-breasted species the width between the base of the pectoral fin spines tends to exceed the length of the head. One of the main features of this family of catfish is the fact that they possess bony projections along the lateral length of their bodies. These bony projections are known as scuds, which are very sharp just like thorns. These scuds give this family of catfish an almost prehistoric look about them. Care should be taken when removing these fish from an aquarium as they all too often get themselves snagged up in nets. When these catfish are frightened they immediately lock their pectoral and dorsal fin spines erect. These fins have serrated edges and when locked makes the fish safe from would-be predators. If nets have to be used then they should be very fine meshed in order to prevent the scuds and fin spines from penetrating it. Some aquarists prefer to pick these catfish up by their dorsal fins taking care not to get their fingers trapped between the pectoral fins and the scuds on the body of the fish, as believe me this can be a very painful experience. If you can use a plastic container or a plastic bag in which to chase the fish this is perhaps the best way of removing the fish from the aquarium. When removing the larger species it is perhaps best to wrap the fish in a bath towel, s, and lift it out of the water, 
This tends to be a two-person job one lifting the head and the other the tail and taking care not to cut your hands on the razor sharp scuds. The ideal setup for these catfish would be an aquarium with a sand substrate such as BD aquarium sand or fine gravel. Decor should include bogwood in which the catfish will hide, smooth rocks to avoid damaging the bodies of these fish. Some aquarists use plastic or clay pipes for their catfish to hide in, if these materials are to be used please ensure that they are large enough to allow the catfish to be able to get out of. I have known a number of people to lose their catfish as they have become too large to get out of the pipe and they have subsequently become stressed and died. Wherever possible use large diameter pipes if they are to be used. I would personally recommend an aquarium that is at least 36x15x12 in order to keep these catfish satisfactorily. The ideal water conditions are pH 6.5 to 7.5. Temperature in the range 2226 degree C or 7279 degree F and DH up to 15 degree. These catfish thrive on a mixed and varied diet that includes sinking catfish pellets, granular foods, flake, tablet foods, aquatic snails, shredded prawns, earthworms, and frozen foods such as bloodworm. As sand has been mentioned as the ideal substrate for these catfish, I would suggest that internal power filtration or external canister filtration be used as under gravel filtration would not be efficient as the sand would cause it to clog. Weekly or fortnightly 20-25% to 25 water changes should also be undertaken to ensure good water quality at all times. When undertaking water changes always ensure that you use a water dechlorinator, preferably one that will treat both chlorine and chloramines, prior to adding the fresh water to your aquarium. There you have it. A brief overview of the many armored catfish that live in the Amazon. Now Chris will be discussing the Placos family. And there you have it, a brief overview of the armored catfish. And that was awesome. I took a lot of information from the Internet, but that was a lot of great information on the armored catfish. And the armored catfish is a big catfish family in the Amazon. You've got your Corridorus catfish in there. You've got your Hupala catfish in there. Then you've got your Doradid catfish in there, which include the Stripe Raphael catfish, the Exodorus Niger catfish, the Megalodorus Orwani catfish, the Hacer catfish. But the next species of catfish we're going to talk about is the biggest species of catfish. There are so many species in this job. So now we're going to learn about plecos, and plecos are catfish, matter of fact. So let's hear about plecos, shall we, Chris? Hello, I am Chris, and I am here to talk about the Loricaridae family. This family includes all of the algae-eating species of plecos, otos, and all those fun-loving and nice sucker-mouth fish we all love as fish keepers. So let's learn about them. Loricaridae is the largest family of catfish, order Siluriformes, with 92 genera and just over 680 species to date, with new species being described each year. Loricaridids originate from freshwater habitats of Costa Rica, Panama, and tropical and subtropical South America. These fish are noted for the bony plates covering their bodies and their sucker mouths. Several genera are sold as placos, notably the sucker mouth catfish, Hypostomus placostomus, and are popular as aquarium fish. Members of the family Loricaridae are commonly referred to as sucker-mouth armored catfishes, armored catfish, plecos, or simply plex, 
a shortened form of the species name Hypostomus placostomus. Some Laricarids are not normally considered placostomus, such as Farlowella catfish. These names are used practically interchangeably when referring to the Loricaridae. The name Placostomus and its shortened forms have become synonymous with the Loricaridae in general, since Placostomus Placostomus, now called Hypostomus Placostomus, was one of the first species imported into the fish-keeping hobby. This can cause some confusion, as some unrelated fish may also be called Placostomus, such as the Borneo Placostomus, which is actually a Balatorid fish. In their native range, these fish are known as Cascudos or Acaris. L numbers. Some types of Loricaridids are often referred to by their L number, this has been become common since imports of Loricaridid catfish from South America often included specimens that had not been taxonomically described. Currently, L numbers are used not only by fishkeeping enthusiasts, but also by biologists, since they represent a useful stopgap until a new species of fish is given a full taxonomic name. In some cases, two different L-numbered catfish have turned out to be different populations of the same species, while in other cases, multiple, but superficially similar, species have all been traded under a single L-number. Because of their highly specialized morphology, Loricaridids have been recognized as a monophyletic assemblage in even the earliest classifications of the Siluriformes, meaning it consists of a natural grouping with a common ancestor and all of its descendants. Loricaridae are one of seven families in the superfamily Loricarioidea, along with Amphiliidae, Trichomictridae, Nematogeniidae, Calistheidae, Scoloplacidae, and Astroblepidae. Some of these families also exhibit sucker mouths or armor, although never together as in Loricaridids. This is the largest catfish family, including about 684 species in around 92 genera, with new species being described each year for however, this family is in flux and revisions are likely for for example, the subfamily Ancestrini is accepted in as late as the 2006 edition of Nelson's Fishes of the World, it later becomes grouped as a tribe because of its recognition as a sister group to the Pteragoplicthiini. Under Ambruster, six subfamilies are recognized, Delcherini, Hypoptopomatini, Hypostomini, Lithogenini, Loricarini, and Neopolcostomini. Monophily for the family is strongly supported, except, possibly, the inclusion of lithogenes. Lithogenes is the only genus within the subfamily Lithogenini. This genus and subfamily, the most basal group in Loricaridae, is the sister group to the rest of the family. Neopolcostomini are the most basal group among the Loricaridids with the exception of Lithogenini. However, the genera of Neopolcostomini do not appear to form a monophyletic assemblage. The two subfamilies Loricariani and Hypoptopomatini appear to be generally regarded as monophyletic. However, the monophyly and composition of the other subfamilies are currently being examined and will likely be altered substantially in the future. The Hypostomini are the largest subfamily of Loricaridae. It is made up of five tribes. Four of the five tribes, Carimbophanini, Hypostomini, Pteragoplicthiini, and Rhinelopini, include about 24 genera. The fifth and largest tribe, Ancestrini, formerly recognized as its own subfamily, includes 30 genera. Loricaridid fossils are extremely rare. 
The fossil record of Loricaroidae extends back to the Upper Miocene. Within the superfamily Loricaroidea, the Loricaroidae are the most derived, in this superfamily, the trend is toward increasingly complex jaw morphology, which may have allowed for the great diversification of the Loricaroidae, which have the most advanced jaws. The family Loricaroidae is vastly distributed over both sides of the Andes, but most species are generally restricted to small geographic ranges. They are primarily found in freshwater habitats of South America, but several Loricaroidae and Hypogetomans are native to Panama, and two species, Fonchiaceus uricanthus and Hemiancestris aspidilepes, are native to Costa Rica. Species occur in swift flowing streams from the lowlands up to 3000 m, 9800 feet, in elevation. They can also be found in a variety of other freshwater environments. They can be found in torrential mountain rivers, quiet brackish estuaries, black acidic waters, and even in subterranean habitats. This family has extremely variable color patterns and body shapes. Loricaridids are characterized by bony plates covering their bodies, similar to the bony plates in Calistheids, in Latin, Lorica means corselet. These fish exhibit a ventral sucker mouth with papillae, small projections, on the lips. When present, the adipose fin usually has a spine at the forward edge. These fish have, when they are present, a unique pair of maxillary barbels. These fish have relatively long intestines due to their usually herbivorous or detrivorous diets. The body is characteristically depressed in this family. Taste buds cover almost the entire surface of the body and fin spines. Their lengths can range from 2.22 cm, 0.87 in, in Nanoplecostomus elionari to over 100 cm, 39 in, in Panache, Acanthicus, and Pteragoplectus. One of the most obvious characteristics of the loricaridids is the sucker mouth. The modified mouth and lips allow the fish to feed, breathe, and attach to the substrate through suction. The lips were once believed to be unable to function as a sucker while respiration continued, as the inflowing water would cause the system to fail, however, respiration and suction can function simultaneously. Inflowing water passing under the sucker is limited to a thin stream immediately behind each maxillary barbel, the maxillae in loricaridids support only small maxillary barbels and are primarily used to mediate the lateral lip tissue in which they are embedded, preventing failure of suction during inspiration vague. To achieve suction, the fish presses its lips against the substrate and inflates its mouth, causing negative pressure. Also, unlike most other catfishes, the premaxillae are highly mobile, and the lower jaws have evolved towards a medial position, with the teeth pointed rostroventrally, these are important evolutionary innovations. The fish rotates its lower and upper jaws to scrape the substrate. The lower jaws are more mobile. Loricaridid catfishes have evolved several modifications of their digestive tracts that function as accessory respiratory organs or hydrostatic organs. These complex structures would have been independently evolved a number of times. This includes an enlarged stomach in the Pteragoplectheini, Hypostomus, and Lithocus, a U-shaped diverticulum in Rhinelopini, and a ring-like diverticulum in Otosynclus. However, even loricaridids with unmodified stomachs have a slight ability to breathe air. Considerable sexual dimorphism occurs in this family, most pronounced during the breeding season. For example, in Loricariachthus, 
the male has a large expansion of its lower lip, which it uses to hold a clutch of eggs. Ancestrous males have snouts with fleshy tentacles. In Loricaridids, odontods develop almost anywhere on the external surface of the body and first appear soon after hatching. Odontods appear in a variety of shapes and sizes and are often sexually dimorphic, being larger in breeding males. In most ancestrine species, sharp evertible cheek spines, elongated odontods, are often more developed in males and are used in intraspecific displays and combat. The sucker mouth exhibited by these catfish allows them to adhere to objects in their habitats, even in fast-flowing waters. The mouth and teeth also are adapted to feed on a variety of foods, such as algae, invertebrates, and detritus. Some species, notably the panache, are known for xylophagy, or the ability to digest wood. Most species of loricaridids are nocturnal animals. Some species are territorial, while others, such as Odosynclus, prefer to live in groups. Air breathing is well known among many loricaridids, this ability is dependent on the risk of hypoxia faced by a species, torrent-dwelling species tend to have no ability to breathe air, while lowland, pool-dwelling species, such as those of hypostomus, have a great ability to breathe air. Pteragoplictus is known for being kept out of water and sold alive in fish markets, surviving up to 30 hours out of water. Loricaridids are facultative air breathers, they will only breathe air if under stress and will only use their gills in situations when oxygen levels are high. The dry season is a likely time for this, there would be little food in the stomach, which would allow its use for air breathing. Loricaridids exhibit a wide range of reproductive strategies, including cavity spawning, attachment of eggs on the underside of rocks, and egg carrying. Parental care is usually good and the male guards the eggs and sometimes the larvae. The eggs hatch after 4 to 20 days, depending on the species. Three species known from subterranean habitats are true troglobits with reduced pigmentation, appearing overall whitish, and eyes, Ancestris cryptophthalmus, Agalani and Aformoso. Similar adaptions with reduced pigmentation are known from two loricaridids found in deep water in large Amazonian rivers, Hemiancestris pancampugia and Panache bathophilus. Loricaridids are popular aquarium fish, where they are often sold as plex, plecos, or plecostomus. These fish are often purchased because of their algae-eating habits, though this role may not be carried out. Most species are in fact detritivores. A great many species of loricaridids are also sold for their ornamental qualities, representing many body shapes and colors. Most species of loricaridids are nocturnal and will shy away from bright light, appreciating some sort of cover to hide under throughout the day. As they often originate from habitats with fast-moving water, filtration should be vigorous. A number of species of loricaridids have been bred in captivity. There is your basic overview of the Loricaridids family. And that was a basic overview of the Plucko and Loricaid family. I know I can't pronounce that right, but that's an overview of the largest catfish family. Pluckos, Odos, Twigs catfish, also known as Ferrola catfish, and others. And we're going to talk about the fancy Pluckos after our commercial break, but that is the biggest catfish family in the Amazon. Now, let's learn about the next catfish family, the Pimadella catfish family in the Amazon, shall we? 
I'm John and I will be talking about the Pomelidae catfish family. This family is well known for having monster catfish such as red tail catfish, pareba catfish, shovel noses, and course the big species of Pimdula which include the common aquarium species Pictus catfish. So let's learn about them. The Pomelidae, commonly known as the long-whiskered catfishes, are a family of catfishes. The family Pomelidae has undergone much revision. Currently, it contains about 30 genera and about 90 recognized and known but unnamed species. The low-eye catfish, previously family Hypophthalmidae, and thus the genus Hypophthalmus, which contains four species, was reclassified with the Pomelidids. This family previously included fish that are now classified under Pseudopomelodidae, previously subfamily Pseudopomelodonae, and Heptopteridae, previously subfamily Ramdiini. This family also previously included Conorhynchos conorostris, currently in Certicetes. However, a molecular analysis has shown unequivocal support for monophyly of the individual families and the genus Conorhynchos into a clade called Pomelidoidea, including Pomelididae and Pseudopomelidae and Heptopteridae and Conorhynchos. Some genera have relatively recently been synonymized. Merodontidus and Goslinia are now both included under Brachyplatystoma. Also, Polycea is now a synonym of Zungaro. The six main groups within Pomelidae are Steindachneridian, the Fractocephalus liarius group, the Pomelidus group, the Colophysius group, Zungaro, and the Sarabim group. The Pomelidus group includes Pomelidus, Exolodontus, Duopalatinus, Chiroceros, Iheringictus, Bergeria, Bagropsis, Parapemologus, Platycellurus, Platystomatictus, and Perpemologus. The Colophysius group includes the five genera Aguarinictus, Pomelidina, Colophysius, Luciopomelagus, and Pinirampus. The relationships within each genus are still being studied. Most general lack a hypothesis for monophyly. All species of Pomelidae are found in South America and the Lower Isthmian region. Their range reaches from South America and Panama north to southernmost Mexico. Many long-whiskered catfishes grow to be very large, including the Pareba, Brachyplatystoma filamentosum, reaching about 3 m in length. They have three pairs of barbels, with maxillary barbels that may reach the length of the fish's body. Like many other catfishes, their bodies lack scales. The adipose fin is well developed. Many species of Pomelidae have juvenile forms that appear differently from their adult forms in color pattern, as well as body shape. Brachyplatystoma species have specialized pelagic young with greatly elongated barbels and fin filaments, and strongly ornamented pectoral spines. Other large Pomelidids, such as Pseudoplatystoma, Sarabim, and Sarabimictus, whose young inhabit vegetated, marginal waters, have distinctive cryptic coloration patterns and much enlarged caudal and pectoral fins. They are generally bottom-living fish, though some are pelagic and probably filter feeders. They do not guard their young. Because of their large size in many species, pomelidids are an important food fish in South America. Many species have been hybridized through the use of hormones in an effort to get even larger fish. This same size factor also makes them very popular for sport fishing. Pomelidids are a common addition to Amazonian-themed exhibits in zoos and public aquaria. Despite the looming danger of size in many species, 
Pomelidids remain a popular home aquarium fish. Controversy exists over whether or not many of the larger species should be sold in the hobby because of their adult size. Also, some disagreement occurs over hybrids appearing in the hobby, as well. Many species are hardy and easy to take care of. However, care should of course be taken on what other fish to house pomelidids with, as they do not hesitate to eat other fish that are small enough. And there you have it. An overview of the Pimdula family. And that was perhaps the most common catfish of the Amazon. I'm sure most of you know about the red-tailed catfish, about the tiger shovelnose, about the lima shovelnose, about the pictish catfish, and about all those other catfish that were mentioned. We'll talk about the different species of the Pimodella species when we talk about caring for these species after our commercial break. But the last Amazonian catfish I want to give you an overview on is the parasitic catfish. Believe it or not, the Amazon is home to some parasitic catfish that are very similar to the saltwater variants of a sea lamprey. To me, these parasitic catfish are very similar to a lamprey. So let's learn about the parasitic catfish of the Amazon, shall we? Hi, I'm Lewis, and I want to teach you about the parasitic catfish. The Trichomictridae are a family of catfishes, order Saluriformes, commonly known as the pencil or parasitic catfishes. This family includes the infamous Candira fish, feared by some people for its alleged habit of entering into the urethra of humans. Other example of this fishes are the life monsfuano that is considered a special and ritual dish of the North Peruvian cuisine. This family is prohibited from being imported into various parts of the USA. The Trichomictridae comprise about 41 genera and 207 species. It is the second most diverse family of the superfamily Loricarioidea. Numerous species still remain undescribed. The monophyly of Trichomictridae is well supported. The family is divided into eight subfamilies. The only subfamily that is not monophyletic is the largest one, Trichomictridae. A large clade within Trichomictridae is also suggested that includes the subfamilies Tridentini, Stegophyllini, Vandelini, Sarcoglanidini, and Glanopterogini. This large clade in turn forms a larger monophyletic group with the two genera Itoglanes and Sclerinema. The latter two genera are not classified in any of the subfamilies. The basal subfamilies Copianodontini and Trichogenini are sister groups to each other and together they form a clade that is sister to the rest of the Trichomictridae. Trichomictridae has the greatest distribution of any catfish family. It is widely distributed throughout the Neotropics. These fish originate from fresh water in Costa Rica, Panama, and throughout South America. The family extends from Panama southward to Chile and Argentina. In Peru is known like life monsfuano. The bodies of these fish are normally naked and elongated. The chin barbels are usually absent, nasal barbels are usually present, and there are usually two pairs of maxillary barbels. Most of these fish have no adipose fin, and some also lack pelvic fins. Many trichomicturids are small enough to be considered minotaurs, do not exceed 2.6 cm, 1.0 in. Miniaturization occurs in many of the trichomicturid subfamilies, including trichomicturini, glanopterogyni, Vandelini, in Paravandelia, Tridentini, and Sarcoglanidini. 
Miniaturization has probably occurred four times in trichomicturate evolution, as the Glanopterogyni and Sarcoglanodini are closely related and may have a single miniaturized ancestor. Though the family is commonly known as parasitic catfishes, trichomicturidae may actually include the widest range of trophic adaptations within any single catfish family. Only the two subfamilies Vandelini and Stegophilini are considered to be parasitic fishes, including the infamous Candira or vampire catfish, feared by some people for its habit of entering into the urethra of humans. Apart from the free-living, generalized predators of small invertebrates, trophic modes represented by trichomicturids include the hematophagy, feeding on blood, in Vandelini, the lepidophagy, scales, and mucophagy, mucus, in some stegophilini and necrophagy, carrion, in others, and partial algivory, algae, in copiandantini. Trichomictridae include species that are active swimmers, copianodontini and trichogenini, torrent dwellers, trichomictrini, litter leaf dwellers, itoglanes, and sand dwellers, glanopterogyni and sarcoglanodini. Species may be restricted to elevations above 4,000 m, 13,000 feet, in the Andes, Andean lakes, offshore coastal islands, lowland species known only from large rapids, leaf litter puddles, and the bottom of torrential rivers. Trichomicturids are one of the most successful groups to occupy cave habitats, it contains 12 hypogene species. Such species include Itoglanes bambui, Iepicarsticus, Ipasensis, Iramiroi, and Sylvanictus bortero. Six of the hypogene species are of the genus Trichomicturus, Trichomicturus chaberti, T. atacarambiensis, T. santanderensis, T. spileus, and T. osi. Wow! I never knew these catfish existed. And that's a basic overview of all the species of catfish that live in the Amazon. So I hope you learned a lot about the species that live in the Amazon. Coming up next here on the Aquatic Wetline, I, Aqua Alex, am going to give you a lecture on how to care for some of these catfish in your home aquarium. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break, which is being sponsored by Ikari Seals USA, School of Fish, Inc., Fish Friendly Tropical Fish, Dakota Aquatics Plus Radio Show, and the International Aquatic Association. We also have a new sponsor today. That's right, the Aquatic Wetline has a brand new sponsor called Jambox, and they're very honored to be a part of the Aquatic Wetline. So, let's take our quick commercial break, and when we come back, I'll discuss how to care for some of these Amazonian catfish in your home aquarium, and then I'll discuss my favorite Amazonian catfish. You can call in live at 1-347-989-8142 with any of your catfish questions or share what your favorite Amazonian catfish is, or um, just chat Amazonian catfish with us, one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Stick around, there's plenty more Amazonian catfish chat coming up after this commercial break, folks. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, 
Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy, and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Procosinus, Micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Hikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles, and Biopure, the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, look no further than Hikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in western Massachusetts needs. We offer the best alive stock from freshwater to saltwater and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today. School of Fish, Inc. located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts, and we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, closed Tuesdays. Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish is a fish store located in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Fish Frenzy offers the finest in freshwater and saltwater livestock, aquarium equipment such as Marineland, Aquian, and Plaval, fish foods such as Hikari, Tetra, and more. Fish Frenzy has moved to a new location to get many more awesome fish in. Fish Frenzy has the cheapest prices in town for fish. Go check out at the court at Fish Frenzy and you will not be disappointed. Fish Frenzy is located at 14 Main Street in South Hadley, Massachusetts. You can reach at the court at Fish Frenzy at 413-536-7700. And at Fish Frenzy looks forward to serving you the Western Mass Fish Keepers. Dakota Aquatics Plus is the next best aquarium keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host of this show, Andrew will dive deep into the topics of freshwater and saltwater fish, reptiles, and other pets. Dakota Aquatics Plus is live every Saturday and is a show that you will enjoy. So check Andrew out. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Dakota Aquatics Plus. this program to bring you a special report. Do you need advice on planter tanks? Do you need advice on community tanks? Do you need advice on cichlids? Do you need advice on discuss? Advice on 
Well, get over to the IAA channel now! We can help you with plenty tanks, saltwater tanks, community tanks, filtration, DIY, lighting, dosing, CO2, discus, angelfish, German blue rams, African cichlids, and any other community fish. Subscribe to the IAA channel today! Thank you, IAA! Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time-consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a Jambox today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Fish Geeks is an online Facebook fish group that is dedicated to the aquarium hobby. We have thousands of members who all love this aquarium hobby. All of our members are a fish geek one way or another. If you are serious about this hobby and love fish, then come join our group on Facebook You Fish Geek. Type in the search bar on Facebook Fish Geeks and click join. Hey, live listeners of the Aquatic Wetline. Did you know you can call in live right now to ask any fish questions or join tonight's fish chat. Just simply dial 1-347-989-8142. You may ask any fish questions you might have or chat with us about tonight's subject. You can also ask our guests any questions you might have as well. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Please go to a quiet location and turn off the speaker on your phone. Please wait until we see your call and bring you live. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Give us a holla if you hear us. You are now tuned in to the one and only fish-keeping podcast on Blog Talk Radio that started it all. With over 100 episodes, the Aquatic Wetline has something for you. What is Alex going to discuss next? Let's get back to the show to find out. Remember... You can call in anytime at 1-347-989-8142. Now, back to Aqua Alex. And you are tuned in to the Aquatic Wetline. And today we're doing our third episode of Life in the Amazon. And today we are discussing the Amazonian catfish. Now, before our commercial break, I was giving you an overview of all the species that live in the Amazon. So far, we learned that there are over 60 species of armored catfish, including Corridorus, including Theodoridads, which include the Raphael catfish and the Oxidorus niger and the Megalodorus orwini. And we also learned about all the fancy plecos and oil catfish and all the sucker mouth catfish and allergy eaters. And we learned about the parasitic catfish and the pimodella catfish. 
Now, I'm going to talk about how to care for some of these catfishes in the home aquarium, and I'll discuss my favorite Amazon catfish and why I like Amazon catfish right here, right now on the aquatic wetline. Don't forget, you can go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Discuss what you like about Amazon Catfish. If you have Amazon Catfish in your tank and you want to ask a question, go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Or just tell me your favorite Amazon Catfish or just ask questions. I love getting callers here on the Aquatic Wetlands. So do go ahead and call in. One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and start talking about how to care for catfish now. I'll start by talking about how to care for Corridorus catfish. Now, Cory cats are very simple to keep. They're actually the first catfish I would personally recommend for beginners to keep because Cory cats stay really small. The biggest Cory cat, which would be a brochus Cory cat, would max out about three to four inches. So even at that, that's the size a beginner could handle. So I personally think Corridor's catfish are fine for beginners. And Cory cats are the perfect catfish for beginners because a beginner would see a Corridor's cat swimming around the tank. Now, Cory cats are very hardy, and I think they would survive a beginner. Now, with Cory cats, you are going to need a bunch of them. They are a schooling catfish. So I personally recommend four to five Corys if you're starting off as a beginner. You want to buy four or five Corridorus cats at a time. Don't purchase one or two Corys at a time because then they'll feel lonely and then they'll get ick and stuff. You want to get at least four or five and then add on to them. Now, Corridorus cats aren't picky at all. They just need... Um, a lot of good water, and you can accomplish good water by doing plenty of water changes. Now, as the clip said about quarry cats, they are very, very toxic to high nitrates. High nitrates will cause them to lose their barbels, and it could kill your quarry cats. But by doing lots of water changes, you are um, reducing your risk of having high nitrates. Other than that, corridors are very easy to keep. Now, Corridor's cats will eat anything. I fed mine live, um, I mean, I fed mine frozen bloodworms. I fed mine flake food, shrimp pellets and stuff. Corridor's catfish will eat just about anything. And they stay small enough, they can have like 10 or 12 of them in a 55-gallon aquarium, which is perfect, and then do well with discus and things. Some of these Cory species can go in a high or a hot temperature tank, such as the 80-degree mark, and live with discus and stuff. So Cory cats are for everyone who is into the community fish. So that's how you care for the Corridorus cat. There's not too much care involved that goes in with Cory cats, just that you have to take note that you've got to keep Corridorus cats in schools, and you need at least a 20-gallon tank, and you can have a whole bunch of them. But the biggest thing with Cory cats, they have to be in schools. Keep a Cory cat by itself. It won't be active. It could from stress. So please keep Cory cats in schools. Now, I don't have to talk too much about Corridor's cats because I have my own Corridor's breeder here on the aquatic wet line. Lynn Matney is perfect with Corridor's. So if you have a question on Corridor's, please contact 
Lynn Matney on Facebook, and she will help you out. She breeds Corridor's cats for a living, so she knows a ton about Corridor's catfish. So check her out. Lynn Matney on Facebook, and we'll have her on the Aquatic Wetland again sometime in 2015. Now, I want to talk about the other armored catfish that we can care, uh, that you guys can keep in your aquarium. And the first one is probably one of the easiest catfish, and that is the striped Raphael catfish, one of my favorite catfish of all time. This thing is a really hardy catfish, and I personally think a beginner could possibly keep a striped Raphael catfish. Now, these guys grow up to be about six, seven, maybe even eight inches in their home aquarium hobby. Anything bigger than eight inches is kind of rare, um, but if you did find a nine, ten-inch striped Raphael, I'd buy that and keep that sucker because it could be worth a lot of money, but I highly doubt you'll find a nine to ten-inch striped Raphael catfish. These guys can live in almost any kind of water. That's how hardy they are. But I would remember they come from the Amazon, and I personally recommend keeping them as close as the Amazon water as you possibly could. Now, the Shrimp Raphael catfish can live with anything that is too big to be eaten. I would not put a striped Raphael catfish in a tank with neon tetras or anything of that nature because the striped Raphael catfish will eat them. You could keep these guys with Oscars, with Jack Dempsey's, with larger cichlids, with silver dollars, with other armored catfish, or even um, you can even keep them with discus too because they can handle the higher temperatures as well. So really, the shrimp Raphael catfish is very simple to take care of. It just really needs to place the hide for security and clean water and a good diet. And a good diet for a shrimp Raphael catfish would be bloodworms, market shrimp, fish flakes, and some meaty foods because the Raphael cats are meat eaters. So pretty much eat anything that you have to offer them, and they'll grow pretty quick as well. Some of the Raphael cats do grow kind of slow, but some do grow kind of fast, so it depends on the individual species. Now, there is another variant of the Raphael catfish called the spotted Raphael, which stays a little bit smaller than the striped Raphael, and I've noticed the spotted Raphael does grow slow, very, very slow, which is why I avoid them anytime I see them at the fish jar. I don't like the spotted Raphael too much because it is a very slow grower. Now, my personal favorite armored cat. My personal favorite armored catfish is the Oxidorus Niger, and this one is unsuitable for home aquariums, in my opinion, because the Oxidorus Niger gets to be about 30 to 40 inches. That's just over three feet. It's a very nice catfish. It's like the mother of Raphael catfish because it's huge. It's a pitch black catfish with sharp armor. The armor is so sharp that I had one that cut through a net. That's how sharp this armor is. The Niger catfish uses this armor to protect itself against piranhas and it protect itself against caiman in the wild. So that, that is why um, a lot of people like this catfish. 
And believe me, a nicer catfish can cut you very bad. Believe me when I tell you that. Um, I see them pierce through my net. Imagine if that nicer cat pierced through my skin. That would be painful, my friends. And I know that they use the uh, their um, their uh, what do you call those uh, things? Their spines to protect from piranhas and caiman and even anacondas sometimes. I seen a video on YouTube where a piranha was trying to attack a niger catfish under its stomach, but the niger cat had pierced the red-bellied piranha, killing it. So that is how dangerous that uh, niger cat's um, scales are. Now, the niger cat does get big, but a fish keeper could keep a niger cat as long as they had a 300-gallon aquarium and they were able to suit bigger fish. Now, a niger catfish is a catfish that feeds weird. It's a filter feeder. It will eat on um, snails. It'll eat plenty of snails. It'll eat, like, blood worms. It'll eat little flake foods. It'll, it'll basically eat anything that's stuck on the bottom that other fish don't pick up. That's what I really enjoyed about the niger catfish. Now, a couple of years ago, I had a niger catfish, but I did not know it would grow to 30 to 40 inches. It was just sold to me at the fish store as a black Raphael catfish. And at the time, it was a very nice-looking fish. i got to tell you, the black Raphael catfish is very awesome-looking, but it's not the black Raphael catfish. It's not even a Raphael catfish at all. It's just related to the Raphael catfish, but it's actually a Oxidorus niger. And they do look quite nice, but they get huge. And um, they are beautiful fish. And if you go down to the New England Aquarium, you'll see two three-foot-plus niger catfishes in their natural habitat in the Amazonian display at the New England Aquarium. And they are a beautiful catfish. So if you do, if you are into the bigger Amazonian catfish and you've got a big tank, I personally recommend getting a Niger catfish. Now, on the flip side, there is another beautiful armored um, catfish that I like, and that is the Megalodorus irwini. This is called the zebra ripsaw catfish. Now, these guys don't get as big as Niger. These guys get about 24 inches to about 30 inches, so about two, two to two and a half feet. And they can be kept by fish keepers who have a 150 to 220-gallon aquarium because they're not a very active catfish. Now, I noticed with my Megalodorus irwini, they were hiding more than my Niger cat was hiding. Matter of fact, my Niger cat was very active, but my irwini was always hiding all the time. That is why I say a 150 to 220-gallon will be fine for a Megalodorus irwini. Pretty much the same care for Raphael's goes for the Irwini. Just keep in mind that the Irwini cat gets huge and will need a bigger tank than a Raphael would need. But they are very sexy, and I think the Megadorf Irwini is a nice fish. Now, of course, I'm going to do a catfish show just on the Megadorf Irwini and Oxidorus Niger later on this year on the aquatic wetline. And basically, that's all the care you got for the armored catfish. Basically, all the care is similar to all of the armored catfish. Upala cats are similar to care for as the Raphael's and as the Niger cats. So that is how you care for the armored catfish. Now, 
let's discuss how to care for the plecos and the odos and things like that. Now, these fish are called sucker mouths for a reason, because they suck on something. Now, most species of this family, the plecos and lorisite family, will suck on algae. But not all of them will suck on algae. You must realize that. Now, um, the Placostomus species, 90% of them will eat algae at one point in their life, but as they mature, that taste for algae goes away. But for Odocetulus, they love algae all their lives. I'm just going to refer to them as autocats because I hate pronouncing scientific names. Um, autocats are miniature algae eaters, and they eat algae all their lives. But the twig catfish, also known as the Ferrella cats, they never have a taste for algae in their life. So it's always important to realize this. Don't believe the fish stores when you see plecos in there telling you that they'll eat algae. They'll eat algae because 95% of the time, most plecos in this hobby will not eat algae. Only the common plecostomus and the gibby pleco and a variety of others will eat algae as juveniles and as teenagers and as they mature into adults. That taste for algae goes away. Now, some of these fancy plecos, like the Panacue plecos, like the Royal Placostomus, they will never eat algae in their whole lives. Their diet is mainly driftwood and vegetables. So if you see a Royal Placostomus in your fish store, know that it will never eat algae. It will be eating driftwood and vegetables. All plecos, in my opinion, need driftwood to hide in or eat. Most of the fancy plecos will eat algae, and, but it should not be their main diet. These fancy plecos need vegetables and driftwood to um, be happy. Now, it's hard to say what each individual fancy pleco is going to eat. That's why I have a series here on the Aquatic Wetline called Fancy Pleco Hour, so I can go over each individual fancy pleco. But a majority of all pleco species do not eat just algae. Some eat driftwood, some eat vegetables, and some are meat eaters as well. Yes, believe it or not, some of these plecos out here are meat eaters. Now, um, the pinnacue species are very nice. These are perhaps the most colorful pleco species, but there are some other beautiful um, pleco species out there, such as the gold nugget plecos, the green phantom plecos, the blue phantom plecos. How about the famous zebra plecos? you got the tiger plecos. you got the flash plecos. You've got the Adonis pleco. You've got the gibby sailfin pleco. There are tons of varieties of plecos, and yes, these are the biggest group of catfish in the Amazon. Now, I've talked a lot about pleco. Let's talk about other sucker catfish. You've got the otocinculus, which is a very nice fish. Um, believe it or not, there are some bigger growing otocats out there in the Amazon. You've got the miniature otos that grow up to be about two inches only max. And you've got some of these larger otos that grow up to be about four or five inches max. But still, otocats are small. So, caring for these lorisids and plecos is very similar to all in this species. You need to look at their diet requirements. 
all these species will eat vegetables. So you can feed them cucumbers, zucchini, lettuce, spinach, you name it, they'll eat it so long as it's vegetables. Allergy will be eaten by some of these species, but it depends on the species you have. Do your research on the species that you have. And mostly, they need driftwood to hide in, they need some hiding spots, and basically, they're afraid of light, so don't have your light on too long for these plucko species. And research how big these pluckos and other sucker mouth catfish are going to get so that you can get the proper size aquarium for them. Because it really is important because you want to know how big your pluckos is going to get. Let's say you're a beginner and you go out and buy a colophacostomus and they grow really huge and you don't know that. And next thing you know, it's got like a 10-inch pleco on a 10-gallon tank. So make sure you do your research. A better pleco for you could be a clown pleco who only grows out to be about 4 or 5 inches. So do your research on that. Pretty much plecos, odos, and the other allergy eaters from the Amazon are pretty much hardy, except for the ones that need driftwood and the ones that are sold by fish store employees to customers seeking new allergy. Those ones end up dead 95% of the time. So before you purchase, do your research on the lorisids and the plecos. All right. Now let's talk about how to care for the Pimadella catfish. First, I'll talk about the catfish that should not be kept in the aquarium hobby, and that would be the red-tailed catfish and the tiger shovelnose catfish. Now, granted, you own a 500-gallon aquarium or a big, massive pond, then you could own a red-tailed catfish or a tiger shovelnose. But the fact of the matter is the red-tailed catfish and the tiger shovelnose are going to grow to three feet tops, five feet tops, three to five feet these catfish are going to grow. Now, in the wild, they can either reach four and a half feet, but it's very rare for a red-tailed cat to reach five feet, but I'm just throwing that out there. They get huge. Um, so a red-tailed cat and a tiger shovelnose do not belong in the aquarium hobby unless you've got a 500-gallon tank, a 1,000-gallon tank, or a very large pond. Now, the reason these fish stores stock red-tailed cats and tiger shovelnose catfish is because people keep buying them. Either people know they get big and they keep saying to themselves, I'll get a bigger tank when it grows, or people don't know how big they get and they believe the fish store employees when they tell them that this fish is fine with their current fish. And 95% of the time, that is what happens. But I personally think fish stores should stop selling the red-tailed cat and tiger shovelnose. However, if you do get a big tank, like a 500-gallon tank or a big pond, these guys are very, very easy to take care of. They'll eat pretty much everything. They'll eat the kitchen sink if they had to because they're not picky when it comes to eating. The red-tailed cat will eat anything. The tiger shovelnose will eat anything, including fish. Any of their tank mates will be destroyed and killed and eaten by these fish. Now, with that said, I'll focus on some of the smaller species of the Pimadella family that you can keep in the aquarium hobby. Now, let's face it, I love the shovelnose catfish family. Granted, I'll never be able to keep a tiger shovelnose catfish because I can't get a tank bigger than a 75 or a 125. I could, however, have a shovelnose catfish still. I could have a lima shovelnose catfish. 
I personally like the Lima Chauvinos catfish. That he, the Lima Chauvinos hails from Peru and Brazil, and I know there are three species of Lima Chauvinos catfish, and the smallest one, which is the most common one, grows to be about 12 to 15 inches max. So I could quite comfortably keep a Lima Chauvinos in a 75-gallon aquarium to a 125-gallon aquarium. And the Lima Chauvinos catfish will eat anything from earthworms to market shrimp to pellets to bloodworms to you name it. The Lima Chauvinos catfish is very easy to keep. It's very similar to the Tiger Chauvinos catfish, but it just stays a little bit smaller. And if you have a big tank, like a 220, you can actually keep a group of Lama Chaminos catfish together. They actually like to um, st uh, stick up down in the aquarium, if you understand what I'm saying. They like to stand down in the aquarium looking like a filter tube almost. I think that's pretty cool. They like to stand by the side of the aquarium glass looking down, and that is pretty cool in my opinion. And... Uh, they can live with a variety of fish, like Oscars, like tigers, um, like Oscars, like tiger barbs. Eventually, they'll become lunch, particularly with tiger barbs, silver dollars, other large cichlids, other catfish, and etc. So I personally like the lima chauvinos. Then we've got the Pictus catfish, the most common of all the Fumadella cats. That's a catfish that can be kept by a lot of people, even beginners. The Pictus catfish max out about five, six inches and can be kept by beginners. They're very, very hardy, and they are very nice. They can live in a 55-gallon aquarium to a 125-gallon aquarium. And the Pictus catfish likes to be kept in schools. So I recommend keeping the Pictus catfish in schools and make them happy. They'll eat anything too, bloodworms, blackworms, flakes, pellets, etc. Matter of fact, all catfish will eat pretty much anything, and um, it really does satisfy me that catfish aren't picky eaters. So that's basically an overview of the Pimandela catfish family. I pretty much hit the hit the nail on the head. Of course, I'm not going to talk about the parasitic catfish because they're illegal to keep in the Amazon. I mean, excuse me, they're illegal to keep in the United States of America because they're illegal to import into import from the Amazon into the United States of America. It's illegal. So, unfortunately, you can't keep them. I don't know why you want to keep a parasitic catfish anyways, because they can make you sick and kill all your fish in the tank. All right. And my final topic for tonight is going to be my favorite South American catfish. Well, here are my favorite Amazonian catfish. First is the red-tailed catfish. Second is the tiger shovelnose catfish. Third is the Oxidorus niger catfish. Fourth is the Megalodorus irwini catfish. Fifth would be the Trigonus catfish. And let's talk about the Trigonus catfish for a little bit here. Now, unfortunately, the Tyrannus catfish or Trigonus catfish is a very beautiful fish but it's a very delicate catfish, not recommended for the beginners, not recommended for the intermediate fish keepers, but for the experts only because this catfish is very sensitive, and it could be kept with discus and stingrays. My next favorite catfish would be the pictus and the four-line pictus 
and things of that nature. Now, the four-line pickets gets bigger than the pickets, about 10 inches, and would be perfect for an Oscar tank as well. All right, that's going to do it for us for this edition of the Life in the Amazon and the Amazonian Catfish. We're going to take our final commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up this wonderful show. Now, if you have any questions, now is the time to call in. 1-347-989-8142. Go ahead and call in with any catfish questions you have, or tell me your favorite South American Amazonian catfish. Now we're going to hear a song in this commercial break called The King of Kings, which makes me feel that the aquatic wetline is the king of all fish-keeping podcast. So let's enjoy our final commercial break. When we come back, I have some announcements to make for the Aquatic Wetline. Aquatic Wetline is now on iTunes. You can download any of our archived episodes on iTunes. You can listen to any of our past episodes on your ride to work or your long ride on vacation. Simply go to the podcast section of iTunes and search for Aquatic Wetline to find us. Enjoy. That's Jimmy Silver A R O at AOL.com. So 
So, please contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com or Jimmy Sore Arrow at AOL.com if you are interested in being a guest on the Aquatic Wetline. Would you like your topical fish question answered live on our Fish Keepers United Question and Answer? Then send all of your tropical fish questions to AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. You can ask any freshwater or saltwater questions you have. We look forward to answering your questions. So submit them to AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. No question is too dumb. We'll answer them all. So send them in right now. Calling all fish keepers. Make sure you're a part of the very first Fish Keepers Question and Answer of 2015. The very first Fish Keepers Question and Answer of 2015 will air live Monday, January 26, 2015 at 8 p.m. Eastern right here on the Aquatic Wetline. So make sure you get your questions answered. Please submit your questions to AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. That's AquaticWetline at Outlook.com. Or you can post your questions on social media. Tweet your questions to at AquaAlex or at AlexCardinelli1, capital A in Alex, or post your questions on our Facebook fan group called the Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group. So, make sure you send your questions in by January 26, 2015. We'll answer every question we get. So make sure you're a part of the very first Q&A of 2015. Again, email AquaticWetline at Outlook.com, Twitter at AquaAlex or at AlexCardinelli1, or on our Facebook page, the Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group. I look forward to answering your questions, so send them in right now. Would you like to be a guest on the Fish Keepers United series? This series has become very successful after our first four episodes. I love interviewing fish keepers. So, if you're a fish keeper and you're interested in asking Aqua Alex questions, and you're interested in Aqua Alex asking you questions, please contact Aqua Alex so you can be booked on the Fish Keepers United series. Contact Aqua Alex at AquaticWetline at Outlook.com That's AquaticWetline at Outlook.com Or you can message him on his personal Facebook account AquaAlexCardinelli on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Fish Keepers United. Hey, listeners of the Aquatic Wetline, this here is Alex Cardinelli, and I'm inviting you to be a part of my talk show, The Alex Cardinelli Show. 
on the Alice Cornelli Show. We talked about everything from current news to sports to current events to dogs to politics to everything you can imagine. So come join us at the Alice Cornelli Show. We are live Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We are live Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we are live Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Oscar News Show airs three days a week, Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday, with Friday being our current news episode. And Tuesday and Sunday will be our fun shows, where we'll discuss anything and everything and have a fun guest on the show. So come check out the Alice Cardinelli Show on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talks. Come on, come on, you know you want to be a part of this great talk show, so I'll see you at the Alice Cardinelli Show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talks.
All right, we're back here on the Aquatic Wetline. I hope you guys enjoyed our commercial break, and we're getting ready to recap and finish this show. Now, today we did our third installment of Life in the Amazon, and I discussed my favorite Amazonian catfish, and we learned about the catfish that live in the Amazon. So I'm going to go ahead and end the show now with a couple of announcements. Now, our fourth edition of Life in the Amazon is going to be a bit different because I want to take a break from fish for a little while. We've done three episodes on fish, and now I want to do three more episodes on the reptiles that live in the Amazon. So what we're going to do for the next three episodes of Life in the Amazon is talk about the reptiles that live in the Amazon and then after that, we'll return to the fish that live in the Amazon. But next weekend, on our fourth episode of Life in the Amazon, we're going to talk about my favorite snake in the whole entire world. We're going to talk about the anaconda. And I'm sure you've seen River Monsters, and you've seen the episode last year where Jeremy Wade was going after a 20-foot anaconda. And it's going to be interesting talking about the anaconda on the aquatic wetline. I wonder how many people are going to be interested in that. But that's going to be um, something that is going to be fun for sure, for Shizel. But um, I'm going to enjoy doing that show. So join me next Saturday or Sunday, whatever day I decide, for my next episode of Life in the Amazon on Andacondas. All right, now let's get to some show announcements. For the show announcements, I would like for you to send your questions in for our first ever Q&A of 2015. Remember, our Q&A is going to be airing on Monday, January 26, 2014, at 8 p.m. Eastern. So would you please email your questions to aquaticwetline at outlook.com. I really would appreciate it. And I'll answer your questions live on the Aquatic Wetline. Or tweet your questions to Alex Cardinelli1 or Aqua Alex on Twitter. And I will answer your questions on air. So please email your questions to aquaticwetline at outlook.com or post them on Twitter, and I look forward to answering them. Now, are you interested in being a guest on the Aquatic Wetline? If so, please email me at aquaticwetline at outlook.com. I love interviewing new guests here on the Aquatic Wetline. And would you like to be a guest on the Life in the Amazon series? I'd love to have guests here on this series. That would be great as well. So if you know someone interested in, let's say, stingrays or some sort of Amazonian species and you want to get them on here to talk about that, that would be great as well. Just hit me up at my email address, aquaticwetlineoutlook.com, or hit me up on Twitter, AquaAlex or Alex Cardinelli1, or on Facebook, Alex Cardinelli or AquaAlex Cardinelli. I'm all over social media. You can find me everywhere on social media. 
All right. And um, tomorrow's show, actually, yeah, tomorrow, Mondays are my off day, but Wednesday's show is going to be with my best friend in the whole entire world, the co-host of the Aquatic Wetline slash Method 1989, Jeff. And Jeff and I are going to be talking about Severums, another one of my favorite cichlids and another Amazonian fish. So I'm going with the Amazonian fish theme, it seems. But um, this Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Jeff and I will be talking about Severums. And that's going to do it for us tonight here on the Aquatic Wetline. Thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please press copy and paste it on your Facebook or Twitter account so more of your friends will tune in and listen to this great show. The Aquatic Wetline is a wonderful show, and today's show proved that. I hope you enjoyed this show. I'm your host, Aqua Alex, and have a great rest of your night, and thank you for listening to The Aquatic Wetline. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Aquatic Wetline, your one-stop podcast for everything aquarium. Aqua Alex wants to thank you for listening. Return next time for a fun-filled episode. Please check us out on iTunes. Leave a good review if you enjoyed it. And like our fan page on Facebook called Aquatic Wetline Podcast. And join our fan group called Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye fish keepers. Hang on. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.